Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. California, like it or not, is the constitutional canary in the coal mine. Stand by. Doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Lecture and in San Diego, one anchor man was more man than the rest. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Temperatures, record-breaking temperatures, record droughts, and you've got something else in effect. And that's exactly what the scientists have been predicting for a half a century. It is here now. Cal- stop tip, stop tip. This this guy, this governor of California, this is Gavin. I cannot read Newsom. He's standing out in one of these fire zones in California. Like California has never had wildfires before. It's all smoky. I mean, it looks like a movie set, and he's got this kind of camouflage uh, outfit on. It looks like he's out of central casting here, hair slicked back and all that. The guy is a complete and total Marxist socialist, and he is fear-mongering the people of California and all Americans. He's effectively coming out and saying, hey, what's going on in California is going to happen in the rest of the country, and for that matter, the rest of the world. And what he's talking about, of course, is climate, climate change. Like there's never been fires before, like there's never been extreme heat before, like there's never been extreme cold before. The ice ages, well before there were human beings on the planet, we had these crazy things called ice ages. We had extreme temperatures billions of years ago, but now suddenly... 150 years post-industrial revolution, it's Gavin Newsom who's now saying the earth is so fragile that it's going to fall apart uh, because of the SUV that I drive. He doesn't care uh, about a piece of legislation that he just signed in the law, for example, that allows judges to say to pedophiles, eh, it's no big deal. Um, you engaged in sex with a 14-year-old, you're 24 years old, ah, it's consensual. The governor just signed this in the law. The governor just endorsed Proposition 15. Now, this is something I want to get into here. Proposition 15 is on the ballot in California. And why would you care if you're in Wyoming or in Texas or in Florida or in New York? Because, unfortunately, too often... California is this anti-constitutional or constitutional, depending on how you look at it, canary in the coal mine. California used to be a beacon for freedom and, and liberty and liberalism, not the crazy liberalism that we're seeing from Gavin Newsom, Mr. I Can't Read, but liberal in terms of open-mindedness, liberal in terms of advancing society. Now, 
This guy wants to take California back to the Stone Age. Why are there brownouts in California? Why are there blackouts? It's because they have this crazy formula in California that X amount of the energy being used by the 35, 40 million residents in the state must be from certain, quote, renewable sources like windmills and like uh, solar. And so there is a stop point. If, if there's a sudden surge in use, the California grid will just shut down because of the formula. There's plenty of electricity out there. there there's plenty of coal-fired electricity out there uh, in the grid coming from Arizona or Nevada or wherever. But California refuses to accept it because it doesn't fit into the green agenda that this crazy nutcase has and and the rest of the leadership uh, in California. He's effectively creating, it's not just climate change, and it's not just signing a crazy bill that allows a pedophile to be a pedophile legally in California. He's effectively turning California into America's Soviet Union, and he is the Joseph Stalin of our time. This entire COVID thing has emboldened this guy. I don't know if you've paid attention during the last six or seven months, but he kind of meek and meagerly came out early on in March and talked about, you know, controlling the surge and kept moving the goalposts, by the way. First it was, well, we got to make sure there's enough room in the hospitals and now there's plenty of room in hospitals. Well, no, that's not the problem now. Now we can't have enough testing. And, and these counties are buying it. It's such a farce. These counties in California, too many of them are buying this, that we have to have more and more testing. All right, so you test. Even if the test has a 24-hour or 48-hour turnaround, you've tested for that moment in time. What about 24 or 48 hours later? You could be exposed to the virus. Testing should be done by doctors who believe that you might have the Wuhan coronavirus, just like they do with the flu. But no, no. Newsom has his own formula, and it's all designed to gain more power, centralized power in government, in this case Sacramento, and destroy the middle class. That's effectively what everything is funneling into, climate change. It's not about protecting the planet. It's about control. It's about taxation. It's about redistribution of wealth. And so this guy comes out, and he, he wants to be president, sure. He, I mean, he's looking at, no doubt, 2024. But he has, he, like Barack Obama, you can sense he has aspirations beyond president of the United States. He wants to be president of the world. This guy actually believes what he's saying, that the wildfires that are happening in California right now are a direct result of people not being good stewards of the planet. That somehow it's my fault that there are wildfires in California. And of course, in January and February, when there's massive snow in Tahoe, he's going to say, oh, that's my fault too. Well, we've never had so much snow. But isn't a lot of snow a good thing? Because it has this snowpack that eventually melts, that eventually turns into water, and eventually allows... Californians uh, to use it. Now, we don't want wildfires to burn homes, but these forests in California, there's about 50-50 state and federal, they need to be cleared out 
some of this is nature at work here. Now, there's also nutcase fire bugs in California that are lighting a lot of these fires. But the bottom line is climate change is the new method for communists, for Marxist socialists to impose their radical ideology on we the people. And don't you know, Gavin Newsom knows this. Roll tape. Point of folks is America fast forward. Stop it. So he's saying America fast forward. He has a very odd way of speaking. And it's, I guess, because he's dyslexic and he can't read. And that's why I call him Gavin. I can't read Newsom. He's trying to tell us that the 49 other states are going to be like California. Unless, of course, we give our tax dollars to him so he can get these carbon offsets. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's so nonsensical that somehow if, if, if we give money to these masterminds, that they'll be able to stop and change the weather. It's just like the Wuhan coronavirus. He has no ability whatsoever to change the course of a spread of a virus. This is this crazy thing called Mother Nature. And Mother Nature is in charge, not Gavin Newsom. But everything he's doing is designed to control and or destroy the middle class. And the big one on the ballot in California this election cycle is Proposition 15. Proposition 15 would undo one half of Proposition 13. What's Proposition 13? It was passed in 1978, 1979. I remember my grandfather, who was in Stockton, California, was overjoyed at the passage of Proposition 13 because it capped property taxes. Uh, what was happening prior was California was taxing people's homes at the market value. So the assessor could come and say, hey, it's been a great year or a great couple of years. Bam, we're doubling your taxes because we think your home you know, isn't worth um, $200,000. It's worth $400,000, so your taxes are going to go up. What Proposition 13 did so many years ago was to effectively freeze property taxes based on the sale price, the most recent sale price of the home. So if you bought your home in 1985 and you bought it for $200,000 but you've lived in it for 25 years and all of a sudden it's worth a million dollars the assessor cannot come in and say hey your house is worth a million dollars we're going to tax you at a million dollars value of your property they have to stick to that $200,000 number and so Proposition 15 is now endorsed by Governor Newsom again it's all designed to wipe out and attack and control the middle class. So Proposition 15 would undo one half of Prop 13, the commercial side. And unfortunately, there are too many people. Now, we're talking how many? Two, three generations post Proposition 13 passing. Too many young people don't know what a Proposition 13 is, don't own property, and don't care. And so the leadership in California disguises this as, of course, you know, some way to, to help schools. And, and this is the way it's written in the 
Registrar of Voters uh, manual. Proposition 15 increases funding for public schools, community colleges, and local government services by changing the tax assessment of commercial and industrial property. Oh, it sounds so nice, right? It sounds so bucolic. sounds so beneficial and fair and equitable. The problem is, first of all, if this passes and half of Prop 13 is now changed and becomes based on market value, then that opens the door for the other half to change, right? So if they go after one half of Prop 13, certainly they're going to go after the other half, and the other half is residential. Uh, This is going to happen, for sure. If Prop 15 passes uh, in its form right now in effectively wiping out the tax protection for commercial and industrial properties, People don't realize, a lot of people in California probably don't realize that this would mean, for example, apartment complexes. So you're in an apartment, and all of a sudden, the owner's property taxes go up. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to just sit there and eat it? No, of course not. He's going to pass that extra expense on to the people who are renting his apartments. Or if it's a commercial building... The landlord is going to pass that extra expense on to the commercial properties who are in that building. The ice cream store. The ice cream store is going to pay more for its lease. And therefore, the people who go in there and buy ice cream at the ice cream store are going to pay more for their ice cream. But even from a a more simplistic position on this Proposition 15 in repealing half of Proposition 13, it would be a game-changer in California. It would be the beginning of the end. I know we probably said that before in California, but this would begin a squeeze. And if it passes, yes, they will go after the residential side of Props 15, or, or 13, I should say, um, they will go after the the residential side, no doubt about it, because there is so much potential money there, right? There's a lot of potential money on the commercial side, but there's even more on the residential side. And so if this repeal of Prop 13 manifests itself after Election Day, if the voters of California are stupid enough to slit their own throats based on some silly definition given by the Registrar of Voters, is somehow, by repealing Prop 13, half of Prop 13, it's going to build more schools and it's going to make life better for children and for families in California. It's absolute nonsense. It's going to be a tax. It's going to be an increase in the cost of living in California. And it's going to be the beginning of the end when it comes to real estate. What is the big attraction to going to California, to moving to California all of these decades, right, until very recently, even today. The attraction has always been real estate. It's always been based on real estate, dating back to the gold rush and the, and the, the, the crazy days in San Francisco in the 1850s and 1860s there. It's always based on the rock, always based on real estate. And so if these 
property taxes go up on the commercial side, and then they're somehow able to repeal the residential side, and they start going up too, you're going to squeeze out the middle class. The middle class is going to be obsolete in California, but then you, you pile on all the other taxes and all the other elements of government control on the middle class. The middle class is being wiped out, but isn't this the goal? Isn't this the goal of a Marxist socialist? Yes, it is. Ask Karl Marx if he were alive today. You have to wipe out the middle class. And effectively, what you are gunning for in a Marxist socialist society is the haves and the have-nots. right? The, the masterminds, the very few who control all the rest of the people who are serfs and who are wards of the state and who are dependent on government for their very existence. And that's where California is headed. And as California goes, unfortunately, too many times, the rest of the country goes. And so this is why Proposition 15, even though it's not on the ballot in Wyoming and Minnesota, and it's not on the ballot in Tennessee and in Georgia and in Vermont, it is something that could be facing voters later on in Texas because California, again, like it or not, often sets the stage for the rest of the country. And so if these politicians see that these lemmings in California are stupid enough to slit their own throats, are stupid enough to raise their own taxes, are dumb enough to increase the overall cost of living and harm themselves. If Prop 15 passes, the only entity that it helps is government. And we know that in California there is an insatiable appetite for tax dollars because California is constantly growing its government. And in order to grow government, they need to feed the beast. And how do they feed the beast? Well, tax dollars. And so this is the latest methodology, the latest echelon of tax, layer upon layer upon layer of people who live in the Golden State. It would change real estate forever in California if Prop 13 is repealed. And it would lay the foundation for the next half of Prop 13 to be repealed. It's going to happen. Is Prop 15 going to pass? I don't know. If it does pass, if the voters of California are stupid enough to slit their own throats, then I say yes. The other half of Prop 13, it's only a matter of time. And then it's doomsday for California. It will be even more than it is now a land of haves and have-nots. And the producers will leave. And only the very, very wealthy will stay because they know that their taxes are going to be constantly going up. And why? what's the incentive to own property in California if you know you have a target on your back? By the way, what's the incentive to open up a restaurant in California? Think about it. All these restaurants, new or old, and some have been around, for example, in San Francisco for over 100 years, shut down because of the Wuhan coronavirus and the government response to it, right? Well, these 
restaurants, I know a couple of restaurateurs, they're struggling right now. They're doing everything they can just to make a dollar, just to break even. What incentive, what person in their right mind in California would say, I want to open up a restaurant after seeing what we have seen here? Frankly, any business in California, you would have to have your head examined unless there's a way to potentially stop Gavin Newsom and stop the legislature at the local level. And this is something that I have been working on, and I'm going to talk about it more and more after the election. We have enough to talk about right now with the election, but I believe that there is a methodology to use the California Constitution in order to fix California and stop the craziness, stop the insanity, repeal bad laws like this one that the governor just signed about pedophiles. I believe that you could set up a mechanism in California at the local level that would repeal nonsensical, crazy, destructive pieces of legislation like the one that protects uh, pedophiles. Oh, and by the way, I should point out that uh, I've been banned on Facebook recently. Uh, My posts have been banned. And they are about the Wuhan coronavirus, indirectly. I found some time ago, uh, during this entire episode, it was probably in April of 2020, a study that was done in 2018, two years before the Wuhan coronavirus, about the effectiveness of wearing a mask to mitigate the spread of a virus. And so from time to time I've referenced it, and from time to time i put little pieces on social media. And so uh, now I've put some pieces of it on social media. I didn't doctor it at all. I took a screenshot from the CDC website of this study that was done two years ago, and I put it on Facebook, and they have banned it. It doesn't conform to the standards. Well, clearly, Facebook does not want to know the truth about the Wuhan coronavirus and doesn't want to know the truth about wearing a mask. Doesn't conform? I didn't alter this. They weren't my words. They're the CDC words. All I did was highlight this research study and then put a little arrow on there saying, hey, look, this is the link, www.cdc.gov. <laughs> That's all I did. But... Apparently, according to Facebook, it's violating their community standards to post something that's directly from a government website. So I'm going to give you the title of this thing. Now, this could only be written by a scientist, the title of this thing. right? It's a uh, research paper. It's about, I don't know, 20 pages long. It's got about a bazillion footnotes. But the upshot of it is the conclusion is wearing a mask does nothing to mitigate the spread of a virus. Nothing. Whether it's the person uh, wearing the mask trying to protect other people or vice versa. Here is the title. Non-pharma- so write this down and then you can Google it and you can pull it up yourself. All right, Non-pharmaceutical measures for pandemic influenza in non-healthcare settings, personal protective and environmental measures. Now, I didn't come up with the title of this thing, okay? Some uh, scientists did. And uh, you can see their names. They're all Chinese. 
Um, I can't pronounce half of them. Oh, there's one guy at the end here, Kowling, not Chinese. <laughs> so the rest are Chinese. Uh, they're the guys who did the scientists who did this study. Non-pharmaceutical measures for pandemic influenza in non-healthcare settings, personal protective and environmental measures. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. So go bypass Facebook. Go Google this, and you'll have a copy of it, too. And you can download in a PDF form. I, I highly recommend it. And the Ledger Register for this week, and I think I'll let it ride for a couple of weeks because we're only two weeks away from D-Day number one, and that's the first presidential debate. Oh, I can't wait. I've got the popcorn all ready to go. And I'm thinking about who I want to invite over to the house or, or, or watching a group violating social distancing and, and the 10 or more clause of these crazy governors that won't let us exercise our First Amendment rights. I, I, I really hesitate watching it with anybody because I want to hear every word. I want to absorb every exchange between uh, these two. I want to soak it all up. I don't want anybody distracting me. Here's the question. Ledger register. How important are the presidential debates? Simple question. How important are the presidential debates? Well, we know that most people go into the debates already have their mind made up and all the debates do is galvanize the way they think. But there is this mushy middle in there that apparently are swayed by what they're going to see. And maybe they were swayed in 2016 by what they saw between Hillary and Donald Trump. So how important are the presidential debates? Go to GrahamLedger.com, GrahamLedger.com, and you can answer the question there, or you can go to the ZipApp.com, the ZipApp.com, ZipApp. You can download it on your phone, and uh, you put in Ledger in the quick code box, and the question will come right up, and then you can uh, answer it. So we've got two ways to answer a very simple question. We've got, I think, one way to fix California. Uh, and that is to use the California Constitution, the low threshold especially, uh, in terms of the ballot initiative process in California, to fix California. Because clearly these politicians like Gavin Newsom are hell-bent on destroying California and, and turning